Come with me on an exploration of self-discovery. On this podcast, we decipher what really matters as we unravel the chaos of day-to-day work to learn how to build an essential life. Welcome back to the What's Essential podcast. I am your fully British, mostly essentialist host, Greg McEwen, and I am so pleased to have you here for this episode. It's going to be with Rob Deerdeck, and I'm going to get to who that is in just a moment. But let me just back up for some context. My biggest takeaway in writing Effortless was the idea that systems are more important than effort, which isn't to say that effort isn't important. It's that how you put your effort into play determines what your return on effort will be. Most of us have a sort of linear relationship with effort and results. You put in the effort today, you get the reward today. If you don't put the effort in today, you don't get the reward today. That's linear results. But residual results are completely different. That's when you say, I'm going to use my effort today to build a system that produces results for me. And as you improve that system, tweak it and edit it over time, that produces results for you and therefore allows you to elevate your life to a higher and higher point of contribution. And the thing that I was almost embarrassed about when I wrote Effortless was to discover the ratio of my life, how much of my effort went into just getting rewards today, one-time rewards, let's say. And after writing Effortless, I became convinced that what I needed to do was change the ratio. Enter Rob Deerdeck. Rob Deerdeck's famous for lots of things. Uh, He's a professional skateboarder. Uh, He's also a reality star with shows like Robin Big, Rob Deerdeck's Fantasy Factory, and also, and hilariously funny, ridiculousness. But none of that does it justice at all. I come away from every conversation with Rob changed. I get the clearest view of talking with almost anyone in my life for what it takes to get to a completely new level of contribution. You will leave today's episode having learned how to create a rhythm of experience document. That's a tool different, I would say, to anything you've seen before and it has the power to change your life. I'm building mine now. Rob inspired me to build it, and that's what we're going to cover in today's episode. So let's get to it. Rob Deerdeck, welcome to the What's Essential podcast. Thank you. It is great to be with you. We were first introduced by Brent Montgomery, and he sent you, I think, Essentialism and Effortless. Tell me, first of all, just a little bit about what that did in your mind. Yeah, you know, I think when he... You know, because obviously he's a big fan of yours, uh, considering your connection and business. And, you know, we had always sort of shared philosophies and, and different aspects of sharing the way that I operate. And he said, you got to read this book. And, you know, and to me, there's always these great tools that if you're someone that's constantly growing and evolving, you, you get shared another philosophy that then almost kind of brings clarity what you are already feeling and and again i that was essentialism for me and then and then i'm like boy but you know even back then it's like well what happens when you're only doing the essential and you're you're pushed up to the top right it's then effortless was right behind it because it's, mm-hmm. the book started with like you know you're jam- like and then that's effortless <laughs> and then i realized like man 
like the way that I drive everything to automation and then to optimization, my whole existence is driving to this effortless existence, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's where, you know, I connected with your philosophy on a practical side as it, as it was related to how I run my life as a whole, you know? So after you and I first connected, I sent a note to Brent that basically said something like this. I said, Rob's not really human. <laughs> you, don't, you don't really meet Rob, you experience him. That was my sense of when we talked. The intensity that you bring to whatever you do is really remarkable to me. And I want to get to some specific things that you do that we talked about but first, I want to just reference something, and maybe this is funny for you, or maybe it's serious for you. I don't know. But you are on record as having said, so I was sort of saying it as a, you know, you're not really human, but you are on record as having said, I am part alien. I truly believe that. I believe I've been abducted, and I'm some form of an extraterrestrial race. Maybe that was a joke in the moment, part of the crazy... But talk to me about that. Well, look, there was this gentleman who was abducted by aliens that's from the Howard Stern show who we had on Fantasy Factory who was like basically explaining to me that you are alien and you are this extraordinary being. If you understood who you really were, it would blow even your mind. And I, it was always funny to me. You right. know, I'm, I'm a guy who once purchased a, a hyperdimensional resonator, which is a time machine off a guy in Nebraska. And... <laughs> And then years later, I tried to bring him on one of my television shows to talk right. about it. And right. he's like, I ain't talking to you. I know what you are. And I'm like, what? He's like, you're an alien. And I'm like, what? So it has been validated uh, <laughs> on a handful of different occasions where random people have expressed to me uh, that I may, in fact, have some alien blood. And for you, even if we just put it aside as symbolic... There's something about that that's still powerful for you. I can tell that it is. It's like somehow it names for you or gives you permission to live differently. Who I am is unexplainable in, <laughs> in sort of the normal way that life works, right? Mm. The evolution, the growth, the expansion, the development of a way of living in a mind that I wouldn't even have thought possible. You know, when you get to a state where you begin to evolve and grow beyond your wildest dreams, Right. You then begin to have the ability to control reality because you get better and better at uh, deciding what you want to do and achieving it, no matter what that is. You begin to feel like you are controlling the universe, in, at least in the sense of your own universe. And then you can't help but be filled with gratitude and, and awe that all the stuff that you set out and had a vision for actually was realized and your way of life has been realized. You certainly take pride in feeling like you are living like a one-of-one -one existence. You know? I, I am a strong believer in a simple principle, which is that everything is created twice. Once emotionally, mentally, even maybe spiritually, and then a second time physically. And I think what you just described is the extraordinary ability that that idea 
gives you. You say, my goodness, at one time it was just an idea. And then I've seen this unbelievable thing actually happen and be manifest and be created. And it changes everything because then it says, not only is that something to be grateful for, but it's also like, well, what else could be created? That's what I sense when I hear you talking about it. Yeah. And look, it goes a little bit deeper, right? Because it's not a goal. It is a life. And when I began to see my life as all these sort of interconnected systems, and then I designed those systems, and each of those systems had goals and ambitions. And then as I got better and better and started drawing closer and closer to those goals associated with these different parts of my life, then the energy started to build, the harmony started to build, the law of attraction kicks in, all this opportunity begins to fulfill the vision. And then what happens when you get closer and closer, you can see further and further because you begin to see more clear. You begin to, to have the bigger ideas that you can see of what's possible that you couldn't see before. Then you now are basically in this perpetual state of evolution and growth that basically feeds your energy and passion to basically push to see what's possible. Right. And for me, it transitioned from self-preservation to generational preservation to where it's like, wow, how can I affect the next 500 years of the Deer Deck family instead of just affecting my children and or affecting my way of life in this lifetime? That That's the the other side of when you find that harmony and life's potential reveals itself to you by having deep clarity on what you want to achieve and then growing towards achieving achieving it. And that's what I've done. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more, with less effort, thanks to Shopify magic, which is your AI powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg.
I want to get to a document that you have created. You call this the rhythm of existence. Can you just first of all describe what it is from your point of view? Yeah, and I think simply put, it's like the operating system for my life. It has every aspect of how my life operates and then all the documents associated with it. It's built to basically drive all aspects of my life to automation. Right. And because at the end of the day, you've got to get things to automation before you can begin to optimize them, because optimization is where the extraordinary happens. You know, now I've just mm -hmm. applied that to all aspects of my life. And first it starts with designing time. Right. Then then I've gamified my mental health. I've gamified my physical health. Right. I've systematized like my financial systems and structure, how I operate my daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly schedules, like how I integrate my family, my nannies, uh, my diet, all of these things into this moving system that can be operated by uh, chief of staff and assistants, and then all my COO, president, and all the people that work for me. Because I decided I would design a fully integrated life that included both my business and my family and my well-being. And that document basically represents how that system operates together. Yeah. And, and again, this is the difference between setting goals only versus build systems and how those systems interplay and automating those systems so that you can not just live life, but and look at your life and look at the machine and look at the, the ecosystem of your life and keep designing and tweaking it. Just like you said, optimization happens after automation. But I want to go through a few pieces of this document. Okay, first of all, what does it have in it? The overview it has your purpose statement. It has your four sub-rhythms, work, life, health, and sleep. You have a section for definitions, principles, framework rules, and success criteria. That's just the overview of the document. Let's just start with the top. I mean, what do you include when you think about purpose? It's about living a high energy, effortless existence, right? Because at, at the end of the day, you, you have a limited amount of capacity. And that capacity is drained by decision-making, stress, uh, bad sleep, not eating right. We think that all these things kind of live separately and like, oh, we're going to try to take care of ourselves. Oh, we're going to try to be less stressed and be more grateful. But in fact, you know, if you really want to live like that on a consistent basis, all of these moving parts that are in this document make up sort of the system that allows you to be able to operate at a really high level that gives you the clarity to manage your time, manage your mind share, manage your capacity, manage your energy and your health. Look, even the qualitative side of it is really built to give you insight to yourself to make sure that you're optimizing even the system properly because the more you optimize it, the more energy you get back. And, you know, there was a book written in 1910 called The Science of Getting Rich. And old Wallace D. Waddles, you know, talks about like evolution happens with a free mind, meaning when you have mind share and you just don't realize how much steals from your mind share and, and actually pulls from your capacity. And for me, like, this document was built in 2015 
it took me five years because before I could fully operate it. And the last year and a half has been really optimizing it, right? <laughs> because it's like a really complex thing that you have to grow into and get better and better at operating it over time. There's an engineering term and the term is dynamic equilibrium. That's what I think you are going for in this document, right? It's an ongoing evolution, but it's about trying to get all the pieces to work together. Love that. Love that. And think about it. It changes every year. I continue to evolve. I have kids now. I have, you know, it's like, like, and, and I, I even, you know, really look to my wife and how she's feeling and how we're evolving. Do I need to put another body in? Do I need to automate something? Like you just constantly keep adding to it because you're driving back down to your center, which is minimizing how much effort you need to output to live a fulfilling, happy, harmonious life, right? Like, and that's constantly evolving and requires you to be constantly adaptive. This phrase, rhythm of existence, has four sub-rhythms. Work is part of the rhythm. Life, health, sleep. On a scale of one to 10 in health, how are you doing on that right now? You know, my, my health is a little bit more complicated, right? Because I'm, I've been on this journey of re-engineering uh, my entire biomechanics to where I have flawless neuromuscular and skeletal alignment. Too deep to get into here today. <laughs> but what I do want to tell you is I've had 12 bad days in 2021. And the most fascinating aspect of using qualitative data as it relates to zero to 10, how do you feel right now about your health? Well, I've tracked zero to 10, how I feel about my life, my work and my health every day for the last six years, right? And in 2020, it was the first year that I finally collected an entire year of data. Mm. And at the end of that year, I averaged, and if you total them up between the zero to 10, between life, work, and health, there's a total score of 30. I averaged an 18.2 for the year. And then every day I tracked, did I get up at five? Did I brain train? Did I get in the gym? Did I meditate? Did I eat clean? Did I not drink? And for the year, my, my percentage that I did that was 56%. It was so obvious in the data that like, man, look at this. When you were really committed to your health side, look at the qualitative numbers, right? Mm. And so I made the commitment in 2021 that I'm going to average above 20. And I was going to do that by averaging above 80% in my on my quantitative stuff. I was going to get up at five brain train, meditate, get in the gym, eat clean and not drink 80% of the year. Hmm. I ended up doing it 92% of the entire year. Many of the months at full 100%, my average for the year is 21.4. Hmm. And so when I look back at how much I accomplished this year, how balanced I was, but ultimately I have proof in numbers of the quality of my life was the highest it's ever been. And so when I, I, I had a bad day where I scored a 16 two weeks ago, and I thought to myself, man, when's the last time I scored a 16? And I went back and through the entire year, I had two 16s and I had 10 17s for the whole year. 
And I and I'm like, wow, I only had 12 bad days in this entire year. And then when I went back to my 2020 data, I averaged the 16 in October. I had months that I averaged 17. I had months where I averaged what today would be considered a bad day in an entire year. This is a level of precision. Normally, when I ask somebody, how are you doing in health, zero to 10, they offer one number. (laughs) Nobody offers, well, over the last six years, you know, I've averaged 18.2. And then this year I've been at 21.3 and 12 bad days in one year. I mean, like nobody's doing that. Right. And, and it might seem overwhelming to people, but, but the whole point of the, of this system is to reduce the stress and the pressure and the burden. You just got a better machine that's running rather than, Oh, I'm just trying harder than anybody else alive. It's the system that you've been building that really works. What are you using to gather this data? Every time I describe it and and show people that I do it, it like makes them tired because it's just (laughs) like, how could anybody do, when do you have the time to do all this? For me, since I developed it on my own and it, it doesn't really exist, I had somebody write me the script for my Google calendar. So I essentially every day get up, put in how much I slept. Um, then I rate my sleep zero to 10. I then rate how motivated I am that day, right? Because I want to track how motivated I am. And then I go back to the previous day and go through the core four. Did I, did I meditate? Did I get up at five? Did I eat clean? Did I get in the gym, right? Then I give my score for how I feel about my life, work, and health. And of course, um, just into your calendar. You just put it into your calendar. Just into my calendar, right? And then, then uh, my I ask my wife every day how she feels about our relationship, zero to ten, right? Because even that now, the beauty of qualitative data between you and your wife is you now you always have to have the conversation about. Like in my case, because I'm more of a robot, her feelings, right? So I'm always like aware of her state, which allows me to be a better husband and be more aware of her energy rather than than constantly, uh, you know, this high energy, everything's amazing life can, can tax somebody who's feeling empty, you know what I mean? So... Uh, all of that data goes straight into my Google calendar. Then it all gets pulled into a Google spreadsheet. So I get to look at it every month, every day. You know, it's like I'm like motivated by the gamification of my discipline, you know. And so it's like it stops me from uh, wanting a pizza. It stops me from like, oh, I'm just tired. I need a glass of wine. There's just these moments. These moments of weakness are the hardest to break, especially depending on where you're at from a stress level. And, and, and I've found as I've cleared out so much in my life and gotten to this highly optimized state that I still carry these certain triggers that have been with me my whole life. And one is when I feel stuck. When I feel stuck, I just want to drink and eat pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and but now it's so hyper aware when I get stuck and then have that feeling. It's like, oh, look at that trigger. Look at that trigger. You know, it, it's like you begin to be able to seal them. You know, a lot of us don't have a reason not to do these things. When the trigger happens, you go, OK, well, you just go along with it. This game, the gamification of your life around what's essential to you is helping you to go in that moment. Okay, now I have a reason not to. I want to put in my score. I want to be able to say 
today was great according to my own criteria. You know what happens if you have two glasses of wine and a pizza. You know that it brings, it slows your brain function down. It brings your motivation down, which gives like a, a lapse of a few days. If my energy shifts because I decided to go out on a, on a Saturday night and booze it up, it's like I get to see the, the ripple effect into the entire week. Right. And so it's like when you become so sensitive to basically the the ramifications of your decisions, it also becomes easier to not do them. Right. You get there after you've optimized the system. I had to design it first. Then I had to learn how to do it, get fully committed. Then then I had to like get better at it. And then I began to optimize it so I could get more and more efficient, more and more consistent. Then it finally basically has this acceleration, you know, I'd equate it to almost like blasting through, you know, the atmosphere where you need a certain amount of acceleration. Like once you get beyond that, now it becomes effortless and intuitive by your natural ability, where before you were fighting to be consistent and fight these triggers. Now it's almost the opposite, where there's so few and far between. And then it's like, okay, do you really want a pizza? No, right? But sometimes you do it just for enjoyment. And then you have three responsible slices in the early afternoon, knowing that you're going to like intermittent fast in the evening and the pizza doesn't affect you whatsoever. This idea of not just living life, but learning from living, you're just taking that to a really high level where you're constantly paying attention, adjusting, and then not just putting the pressure on your mental exertion to remember what you're observing. You've just built a system to be able to pour that data into it so that you can learn fast from the experiences that you're having. Right. And you almost get really good at optimization. So you're constantly nuancing. And when you feel stuck, when you feel the rhythm get tight, you know, because what, what happened to me this year was I didn't account for that, okay, I was finally doing press and interviews again. I uh, launched six companies this year. I shot 250 episodes of television this year. I launched my foundation this year. I've shot 35 episodes of my podcast this year. I'm... All of the, I launched a consumer feedback group called the Machinists that are consumer collaborators inside my venture studio. Like I hired, you know, seven or eight new people. You're talking about like this excessive amount of work. Now, keep in mind, I did all of that with only 30% of my time because I would never compromise my balance, right? I would never compromise the time with my wife, the time with my family. And what I ran into now was that capacity issue mm -hmm. where I, I would not compromise my balance. So I had to start making mega trade-offs, right? But the trade-off was not going to be at the expense of my balance. It was going to be at the expense of what I could do in the allotted time that I worked. And that forced me to really recognize capacity and then drive everything into hiring a bunch of new bodies and, and, and fast track everything from automation to optimization to pull back from that capacity in order to allow myself to get back in a more comfortable rhythm. Because even though I was fully balanced in my health and my family and my work and all these, these sort of essential balances that we think of, 
I still had pressure on that 30% because I had packed it so tight. I didn't take on anything else and drove everything to automation, released that pressure, restructured my schedule with my executive team, restructured the org chart of my business to a flat org chart, and only now set meetings inside the remaining three days of the week that I allot for work. It's very interesting. I've taken a day now, Wednesdays, where I don't schedule any appointments. And I'm amazed at the value of that day to me, to be able to just to do things, to actually do deep thinking, to not be so reactive, even with great things. You use the term mega trade-offs. What's a mega trade-off you've made this year? I've tried not to get to the point of um, the mega trade-off, right? Because I never traded off for my family time or my health time. I stayed more committed to it than ever. You know what I mean? And mm. because in the past, what would I do? What's the first trade-off you make? It's always health. Definitely. Always health. It's always meditation. It's always uh, the gym. And then what's the first thing? What's the easiest thing to go when you're exhausted all day? Diet right? Like you just mm -hmm. want to sit and veg and be out of it, right? And, mm -hmm. and so to me, by getting so good at leaving balance, I was jammed in that capacity. Now, what are my trade-offs? My trade-offs are, I'm going to push the book I want to do out a year. I was offered a, a business television show that I stopped. My trade-off was no longer inside my life, but it's inside my allotted time that I would be willing to do for business. I have so much clarity in all aspects of my life, especially my financial financial design. Finances will always put pressure on you unless you design a way where they don't. And, and I did that by like creating a plan in 2015 that I was going to push uh, all of my net earnings into cash distributing non-correlated real estate. Okay. So just other aspects really quickly as part of your rhythm of existence, you go through the principles that you want to run your rhythm of existence by. You want them to be predictable, adaptable, balanced, and relentless. You go through framework rules. Uh, each of these things, intention, measurement, a triaging, time allocation, energy allocation, 360 review, cadence. I mean, each of these have definitions and specificity, success criteria. Uh, you know, that's all part one. Part two is the rhythm of existence, actors and roles, what your role is, what your chief of staff role is what your executive assistant does, what your personal assistant does, uh, what your DM team does, uh, and, and underneath there. So that's part two. Part three is tools and resource management. Google Drive, Google Sheets, Google Doc, Calendar, Gmail, Dropbox, goes through various living documents, the hot sheet, the living doc, uh, weekly activity management, weekly haircut to maintain a low maintenance and clean appearance. Like that's the level of specificity it goes to. Do you have someone just come to you? Is this an obvious question? How do you make the weekly haircut effortless? Yeah, so someone comes to my house every yeah. Friday at 9.30. Every Friday I mean? at 9.30. So every yeah. single week you get your haircut. It's one thing now you never have to think about. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't totally. matter if you're going out, you know? And because it's like, what do you do otherwise? Like, oh, it's been a while. Now you're now you're worried about it. Now it's taking mind share. Then you got to schedule it. There's all these things. It's like, it's a perfect example of as many of those things that you can do release you from mind share and give you more freedom. You know? 
hundred percent. You've got a weekly date night, dinner date night and movie, you know, set same time every week. So that's two date nights a week. That's what you're describing there, isn't it? I do Thursday movie night, Wednesday breakfast day date. I do uh, Sunday sushi night. Um, I do Tuesday night, talk night. I do Thursday, we meet with all of our assistants and we have a family living document hot sheet that we go through every aspect of the family. We walk through my calendar for the month to make sure we're all on the same page. All of this, it just, it it started with like, hey, let's have two date nights a week. Then it Then it's like, okay, that's not enough. And all of this optimization with this relationship, all of this, When she's down, I'll still clear a day and take her to the movies in the afternoon. I'm still incredibly adaptive inside this rhythm that becomes as intuitive and normal to the whole system, but I don't, I'm not rigid with it, right? Like I will still allow flexibility depending on how I'm feeling or how, how my wife's feeling, because at the end of the day, it's still about making sure and protecting the energy of the house and the family above everything. So there's two parts when I listen to all of this, I, I see on the one side, yeah, I could imagine wives everywhere listening to this going, well, I'd quite like if my husband had time for breakfast with me once a week scheduled, two date nights, sushi night, you know, talk night and so on, that that part of them would welcome this. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another side that I could see many people listening to this going, back to your comment about it uh, seeming exhausting, feeling like, is is she really the center of it or is this machine you know, owning it. How is your relationship with Brie right now? Yeah, I mean, look, I have an extraordinary relationship with my wife, you know, and and I like to say, like, she's never even, like, really made me mad. Like, this entire optimization is based off of, like, managing... Uh, her emotions and feelings and making sure that she's always feeling in, in, in the best place and feeling the best about, about her life and our life together. And, and look, it's been created based off of her needs. And it'd be like, she, I, we feel like we don't even like talk. Okay. Let's, you want to make Tuesdays where we, we don't watch any TV and always make a uh, talk at night. Like, okay, perfect. This is over, you know, going in seven years of marriage where I just keep optimized. You got to think another thing that, that, I refer to it as tuning a Ferrari, but I also, we also have a therapist come to the house every other week. So it's like, now we have a neutral party, even though we have this extraordinary relationship that I literally, I put on as the most precious thing in my life mm. because I know how rare this type of love is and I'm I'm going to defend its purity at all costs, right? I put it above everything. And but we still bring in a neutral party so that like you can have these conversations that like there's just some conversations that even though you're so close and have such a great relationship that you just can't have without some sort of support system between you that has allowed, which in turn continues to keep the energy of your home and your relationship um, constantly being like, like taken care of, right? And well, then asking her to to give the score each day, she gives me ones and zeros all the time. Like if <laughs> I like, and it's like, and it'll be like, you know, it'll be something like so nuanced, but I never question 
why she feels the way she feels. And, and that's what I think is probably the greatest growth gift that I was able to give her at this age and this level of optimization that don't, don't bother arguing with her about how she feels. Just help understand why she feels that way and try to not make her feel that way again. And if you just think about that fundamentally, that's what's allowed our relationship to grow so strong and, and stro- so good over the years we've been married. Bree's giving you a score of one or two on a 10-point scale. On a what scale? Yeah, on a 10-point scale. Yeah, I, ten- look, <laughs> she gave me a zero. She gave me a zero, and I had we had to rewrite when, the script when did she give and you the, the zero? data. You know, I, I want to say that we got I got the zero because I'm – like she had been traveling and came back the next day and I was in my normal day rhythm. And then I stopped and watched football instead of working on a Sunday. And to her, she had been gone for two days and rather than spend time with her and she felt like I chose football over her. Mm-hmm. So I can be like, what? You were gone two days. Like, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, like I, there's no reason to argue it. I just, I'm, and it's and so what did I do to optimize it? I told my assistant, okay, from every now on when she's out of town, this is now the third time where when she's gotten back, she's felt like all of us didn't miss her. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, from now on, when she's out of town, let's go through it on the calendar and make sure that like I take her to lunch that day and make sure that we do a family activity so that we don't otherwise, if we try to just live our normal lives when she comes back, it's then she's going to feel like we didn't even miss her. And again, nuance. Feel it, make the change, add it to the system. That week with my assistant, we go through it and lay out on what I'm going to do on Sunday when she comes back. And people could say that's crazy, but that's what I want to continue to do to have this highly amazing, beautiful relationship with my wife. If I had Bree on... What would she say about all of this? Here's what she would tell you. I know how much he absolutely loves and puts his family first and how committed he is to our relationship and our love and our lives. That's what she would tell you, Mm. right? Because at the end of the day, the system's irrelevant. Right, because the system falls away and is in the background. It seems like the the system's driving everything, but it's not because the system was designed, it was automated, it was optimized, and now it's intuitive. It's just the rhythm and the flow of life, so it well, doesn't feel like it's even in her world, you know. Well, well, and something I want to say about that is that everybody has a complex system right now, and the results they're getting. People listening to this, the results that you're getting in your relationship with your spouse, with your children, you know, with your health, with your sleep, with your life. I mean, you have a system already and it's highly complex and it's highly interdependent and interrelated. And so it's not like building a system like Rob has created suddenly is more burdensome. It's just more by design. It's more deliberate instead of this complex system being created by default. And so in a sense, I can see how both systems really become quite invisible over time. It's just whether that system is built in your favor around the relationships that matter most, or whether they're built in some other form uh, without such purpose. Am I getting that right? 
Hallelujah. It is the cornerstone <laughs> of my entire philosophy that is the machine mindset, right? It is this idea that you are a living system, whether you like it or not. You cannot change one part of your life without changing all of it. That's and, so and good. And it's just the reality that people think they can just go to the gym and be healthier. Oh, I'm going to spend more time with my wife and then my relationship's going to be good. It is like if you do not have the harmony in all of your life systems, then master your life systems, then grow your life systems and optimize them to have the output of what? The highest quality of life possible. Because the output of your system is essentially the quality of your life. And some people just build a system that is so out of balance and so lacks, that has so much just like wobbly dysfunction in it that they, they literally no longer believe it is possible to, to find true happiness or a high quality of life. So they just spend a lifetime hunting pockets of happiness in between being in a constant state of drudge. That's it, right? Essentialism is an ecosystem or nothing. You know, it's, it's all about all the interrelated pieces. It's a living organism. And so how to keep tending to it. It's more like a garden than a, a single goal. Okay, go get that. What is the, everybody has the exact same goal. It is to live a high quality, effortless, happy, harmonious existence. We all seek the same thing, true happiness. Um, but the problem is it seems so elusive and complex and we dabble in it and, and never seek to design what would actually achieve that for us. And that's what I did. In 2015, I defined what a, my ideal life would be. And then I designed all the parts of it. And then I grew into it. And guess what? I live it. And it took me five years to get there. And when I got here, it's like, wow. You are overwhelmed with gratitude. You are overwhelmed with ambition and motivation because guess what? I can now see so much further than I ever thought possible once I reached my ideal life. And, and my ideal life keeps evolving. And because here's the thing too, you don't, you don't go straight to a goal. You expand into a goal. And here's the other aspect of, of, of a goal. You, you can put a couple milestones to your big achievement, but it reveals itself about of a third of a way through. A third of a way through when you're really hoping to achieve something, you finally see everything you actually have to do to achieve it. And at that right. point, most people either quit or they buck, they get extra motivated because now there's the clarity that's needed to achieve it. But you expand into life and life reveals itself but I'm telling you as living proof, when you design all those systems and, and around growing into the ideal version of yourself and life, and then you do it, boy, you are, you are truly living an alien-like existence. You know what I mean? You, <laughs> That's you a really... perfect way to bring that about. When I think of people watching Ridiculousness, I just don't see anybody connecting the dots back to the conversation we've just had. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you know, the, the beauty of life is you get to continually evolve and make it whatever you desire. Right. And, and I 
um, in the process of choosing to do that, I've actually began to put together a philosophy of how to create any life that you desire that I believe, um, you know, 20 years from now will be my great legacy. And people won't even think about the fact that I shot 250 episodes of television this year uh, and have the number one cable television show by consumed minutes with 55 billion minutes consumed this year, albeit with 4% of my time uh, in an entire year because I tracked it, um, they would (laughs) never connect it. But it's the beauty of life is that I continue to evolve and have no paradigms on what is possible for me, which in turn will allow me to be a great um, sort of inspirational um, person to look at of truly anything is possible. If this kid quit high school at 16 in Ohio and became a professional skateboarder, then went on to uh, be this a television star and then this super successful venture capitalist and entrepreneur. And really at the end of the day, his greatest achievement is the pure happiness and heaven on earth that he created with his life. Anything is possible. That is beautiful. That's what's essential. Thank you so much for being on the show, Rob. Great. Love being here. Well, we've come to that time again. The end of the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for investing in you, in protecting the asset that is you. If you found today's episode to be of any value, and seriously, how could you not find value listening to Rob and the intensity and clarity of the systems that he has built in his life? Well, if you have, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. The first five people who write a review of this episode will receive a signed copy of Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. All you have to do is send a photo of your review to info at gregmcewan.com. That's I-N-F-O at G-R-E-G-M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. As I was trying to summarize for myself what I learned from this conversation with Rob, I was able to think about it in terms of four stages for creating an extraordinary lifestyle. These are the stages. One, orientation. That is what's essential, you know, the heart of the matter for this podcast. Number two is organization. That's what's the routine. Three is automation. Or in other words, what's the the system that you're using? And four is optimization. That's the 1% tweaks to the system over time. It's a bit of a mouthful, but you get the idea. Each stage builds on each other. Well, take a deep breath. Enjoy today. Enjoy this week. And we'll see you next week for another exciting guest on the What's Essential podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, 
a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.